Welcome to the Innovate for Impact podcast. This podcast is for leaders in the social sector like you who want to make a difference. Each episode is packed with practical ideas on how you can be more innovative and create an even bigger social impact. We share our ideas on what you can do and also speak to leaders from the sector to share best practice. So let's get into it and let's talk impact. Welcome to the Innovate for Impact podcast. I'm Dan Bentley and as always, I'm joined by my good friend, Tracy Newman. And before we do get into today's episode, we'd like to do an acknowledgement of country. So I'm back up in Sydney um, on the lands of the Gadigal people of the Aura Nations and I'd like to pay my respects to the elders past, present and emerging. And as always, I'm here in Adelaide, so I would like to acknowledge the Ghana as the traditional custodians of the Adelaide region and pay my respects to elders past, present and emerging as well. Beautiful. So today what we're going to talk to you a bit about is consultants. We're consultants, uh, so we feel like we are in a position to be able to talk about them. But we've also worked with a lot of different consultants over the time too. And I guess what we really want to talk about is when's a good idea to bring in a consultant? And why should you bring in a consultant? And what we're specifically talking about here is around social innovation. So what are some of those ways that consultants can really add value in the work that you do? And when does it make sense to actually do that and and the best way to do that? So that's what we're going to go through today. So Trace, did you want to kick us off with the first sort of topic that we're going to talk about? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, look, probably consultants have got a bit of uh, a bad rap at the moment. And as you said, we are consultants, so we probably have a a slightly different perspective. But what we're really talking about here is how using a consultant in the right way can really make a a significant difference. And I guess, you know, there's that old adage about, you know, you hire a consultant to borrow your watch and tell you the time. So why would somebody actually do that? Well, I guess the reason why you'd use a consultant instead of doing it yourself, number of different things but probably the most common one is that it can actually bring in new capabilities and experience that you might not have. So whether it's that you don't have it yourself or whether your organisation doesn't have it so that you can actually just get that instant injection of the knowledge, skill and capability to bring something important to life. Yeah, often when you work with a specialist firm, they will usually work in certain sectors or on a certain type of activity. And so, when they are focused on this particular activity or sector, they do build this really broad understanding of how that works in lots of different organizations. So when they bring that to your organization, you kind of inherit that thinking and all that experience, whereas building it up yourself would take a really, really long time and is often not the best way to go about it. So that's what's great about that way of working. Yeah, and I think not only do they have that capability-wide experience, but they've also got that combined with fresh eyes. When you're in the middle of a forest, sometimes it's really hard to see the whole forest. Uh, All you see is the trees. So, bringing somebody who's got that different perspective and different view actually allows them to bring in some really fresh eyes and they can see things that you won't often see because it's something that you see all the time and you kind of have that store blindness. Yeah, I remember when I would join a new organization back before we ran Impacto and I'd always try and hold on to my fresh eyes that I'd bring at the start because when you first joined that organization, you could just see all the opportunities. They were so clear and other people that had been working there for several years were like, oh, that's just the way we do things around here. So it was always something that I just valued and I tried to fight it for so long, but 
alas, I'd always become part of the furniture eventually, right? That's just what happened. And you'd then other people would come in and be like, oh, yeah, why do we do it that way? I guess it's just the way it's always been done. Uh, and it's really tough. Whereas consultants, like you said, Trace, like they're joining your organization for a period of time usually. And so when they come in, they're like, hey, what's this thing? And yeah, they can help you with that. Uh, so that's yeah, really, really valuable. Another one that we see as well that can be really helpful is that Sometimes when we speak to senior leaders, they can find it hard to try and get things to change in an organization. And it's because often their peers might think that they have like an agenda around why they want a certain outcome. It could be to benefit their department or it might be something that they're very passionate about. I remember when I've worked in previous roles in organizations that I was always a really big advocate for the the client and sometimes you'd work with people that weren't and so they always kind of thought, oh, you're just trying to do this to make the customers happy or the clients happy and it was kind of frustrating. Whereas when you bring in a consultant, those people are impartial. Like all they want to do is deliver to the brief. So it can help sometimes get through some of those politics that you can have and those dynamics that you have within teams where it's like, well, the consultants just come in. They don't have that history. They're just looking at the brief and going, how do we sort of get to the best outcome? And that can really help the right outcome end up happening. Absolutely. Yeah. Sometimes we spend way too much time thinking about people's opinions on what's going to work. Whereas you use that data-led approach, then what's going to work surfaces, doesn't it? And I guess the other thing that we also see is not only is it that impartiality that makes it easier for people, but also that ability then for those same people just to actually observe the process and uh, listen to the insights that are being surfaced through conversations with your clients and things like that. So you can actually just really participate better because you're not having to think about what's going to happen next. You're not having to sort of steer the conversation. You're not responsible for all of those things. So you can actually just really focus on immersing yourself into that piece of work and and really making the most of that learning opportunity. Yeah. You know, so what we're specifically talking about here is is like you've outsourced the running of this project rather than doing it yourself. Um, and like Tracy just said, like they're all the benefits of doing that is that you can actually just participate better and leave that up to the consultant. Obviously, you still want to be a, an active stakeholder. I wouldn't leave it to uh, any consultant to just go and do what they want, obviously. But, you know, it does free you up and some of your thinking and your time to allow them to do their job really well and that you can just be a part of it. Another one as well that's often not thought about, but is something that we've seen works really well in this space where resources can be a bit of a sticking point is that with a certain project with a consulting firm is that it actually is a contained cost. So when we hire staff, sometimes the staff will be like an ongoing operational cost and the deliverables are a part of their job and part of their KPIs. Whereas when you hire a consultant, you're basically saying, we need this outcome. What is that going to cost us? And you'll get a price. And if they are a good consultant, they should manage it on time and on budget so that it doesn't actually blow that out. Now, that can be really helpful to organizations in the not-for-profit space and in the social enterprise space because then you kind of know what you're trading your resources for. You're going to get a thing at the end, a deliverable. And if you don't get that, you can hold that consultant accountable to making sure you get that. A lot of the time, you get a lot more impact for your dollars spent. Absolutely. 
Yeah, which is kind of a good segue to our next one, which I know is one of your favourites, which is really that a consultant has a remit for change. You don't hire a consultant to keep the status quo. Everybody is expecting change to happen. Everybody is supporting that remit for change because that is a well-known part of a consultant's role and that's why you hire them. So it really does facilitate that change to occur because there's not that same pull for the status quo. This is actually one of the reasons why I enjoy the work that we do so much is because I used to get so frustrated working in other organisations where I was a part of the team And I would find that, you know, it was so hard to get change across the line, especially in larger organizations. It was so hard to get things to change. And I used to get so frustrated because you could do the research and you could understand the opportunities and you had everything there, but just to get it across the line was really difficult. What I love about being a consultant, exactly what you said, Trace, is that that's your job. (laughs) Like if you don't make a change, you haven't probably done a good job. So you have that ability, like people are expecting you to shake things up. They're expecting you to challenge things. They're expecting you to do something better than what they had before you came in to do this project or whatever that that engagement looks like. And that's personally for me, something I really enjoy. But the flip side of that is all the things that you said as the actual person hiring them is that you kind of know you're going to get something improved rather than just, you know, the risk of putting in a wage and who knows what that's going to turn out. I think all organisations have had experiences of wanting to implement things and it just being really, really hard. (laughs) Some organisations will just be flat out like it's impossible to actually get things to change here and for it to stick. And actually just bringing in someone who has that ability to make that happen is, is gold. You know what it reminds me of? Tracy and I, Many years ago, before Impacto, in one of the organizations we'd worked in together, we were at one point had all these ideas of things we wanted to change. And we'd sort of been talking to our boss and you know, other people about these things, and we couldn't get them across the line. A consultant came in and literally changed all those things in like a six month period, and they all got across the line. And we we're like, oh, we've been saying this for ages. That's the sort of stuff that can happen in large organizations. Is it just like you're spinning your wheels sometimes when you're a part of it? And these people can just come in and get that stuff done. So that was great. We didn't need the credit. We just wanted the thing to happen. So that was fine. (laughs) Oh, absolutely. I loved it. I would sit there and I would have a conversation with them and they'd write everything down. And then the next thing you'd know, they would be having a conversation with people and all of a sudden this change would occur. And I would be like, that is brilliant. (laughs) Where were you six months ago? That's absolutely gold. Oh, that's so true. Want to improve your co-design skills and confidence? Join Tracy Newman, the co-host of this podcast and head of impact at Impacto Consulting for the Co-Design for Impact training program. In this training, you'll explore co-design from start to finish, learning how to understand diverse stakeholder needs and create innovative solutions. You'll also get access to the co-design workbook with essential worksheets and connect with like-minded individuals from the social sector. Act fast because this popular course fills up quickly. Secure your spot now by clicking the link in this episode's show notes or visiting impactoconsulting.com.au forward slash co-design for impact. Remember, co-design for impact is one word with no hyphens. Don't miss this chance to enhance your co-design skills. Now, the other one that we'd probably say too is that when you're consulting, you create frameworks because you're so specialised on 
a certain process or a certain thing that you do well. So you kind of build up this huge capability and you often have like lots of people who are bringing their experiences in and you're working across all these different organizations. So you really build up this expertise around what it is that you do. So because of that, you bring these frameworks and tools that have been developed over like probably like hundreds of thousands of hours worth of work. And these frameworks make things that are very complicated, very easy for the people who are receiving those frameworks. And so what that does too is just save you an absolute heap of time. Like if you think about the opposite of that, which is trying to build that capability yourself internally, you might even just hire someone who's got a pretty good experience around that, but it's still quite narrow compared to what somebody else from a consulting firm could potentially bring. So that's another thing that we see a lot too is this that we pop in a framework that we've developed and people go, oh, that's just so easy. And it's like, yeah, but that's taken us years to develop that. And we've had so much input from different people and we've seen things that work and don't work in so many different spaces. That there is just a huge amount of value as well. Absolutely. Which also really comes down to the next one, which is getting that expert advice reduces the risk of getting it wrong. So when you're trying to do something that is perhaps new to you or you hire somebody that works for you to do something, it's not always uh, easy to understand whether or not they're going to go about it in the right way. Whereas again, you hire a consultant that's got case studies and a wealth of experience and expertise and really rich and deep expertise in that, that area, then you've definitely reduced the risks that can happen when you know maybe you implement something and it's not quite right and you know you've got all of those costs as a flow on effect of not doing it right the first time yeah that's so true so i guess what we've shared with you there is like a bunch of different things that you get from working with a consultant and bringing it in you what you might be thinking about now is like well like how can a consultant actually get involved and how can they help around social innovation like what specific ways can they add value yeah, the one that traditionally people think about and the one that's that's quite uh, common is when people just don't have the time or resources to be able to do a project themselves. So the f- sort of first thought is, well, we can get somebody to come in and do that s- distinct piece of work. So that's the most common known way of engaging a consultant. And we have this thing, we need to get it done. We don't have capacity to do it. So we're going to hire someone, they're going to come in, they're going to do it, it'll be done. Pretty common one. It's probably one that we see less of these days than we used to like a lot of the time it's probably the next one that we're seeing a lot more of which is when there's a complex problem or opportunity that needs to be solved and the organization doesn't actually have the capacity to solve it themselves when we say that we're talking about like the actual expertise internally not necessarily the time resources like we were talking about in the last one so this is where we're seeing our skills are being utilized a lot more and others that do similar stuff to us at the same, where an organization has some sort of internal capability, but they might be trying to look at, well, what's the future of the work that we do in this space? And they're just not confident that they have the right thinking and expertise to solve that. So they'll often bring consultants in to help them on that journey for all the reasons we mentioned earlier, but also at the same time is that it really helps you just bring in specialized expertise for a short amount of time when you need it. And then once it's you're okay and you've set up and right to go, then it goes. And that saves you having to build a whole team around that when you only actually need it for a period of time. Yeah. A certain outcome. Yeah. That's right. No, so quite often that sort of specialized capability isn't something that you need in your organization all the time. So, you know, having somebody sit there for <laughs> 
50 weeks of the year for the two weeks that you really need them just doesn't make a lot of sense. No, absolutely. And the third one is when you want to build the capacity of the organization and you really need somebody to come in and share that capability, uh, help put in those systems and processes and tools and, and techniques and really help the organization to kind of transform the way they work. You know, you're in spot A, you need to transition to spot B and you really just need somebody to get you moving in the right direction and build the capacity of your team to be able to then do that work themselves. Yeah, I think this is what a lot of organizations are now moving towards more so. This is what we've found in our work in the sector. And it's not probably sustainable to consistently hire consultants for all the challenges and opportunities that you need to solve or go after. But if you can build that capability yourselves and then only hire consultants when you have really complex or large projects, that probably is the model that we're starting to see a lot more. So when we say like, well, what does that actually look like? Well, it's about you know helping them have like drop training into the organization so instead of solving a particular problem if we can train the people set up the right systems and processes it becomes a repeatable process and the organization actually becomes innovative and impactful in the way that it works rather than us coming in solving a problem leaving the organization still continues to work the same way so there's a lot more value in that type of an approach from consultants around actually building your organization's capacity to do more of this work in the future because like i said it's a repeatable process after that and you can use that on solving many different problems and going after lots of different opportunities rather than just you know the one or two that you've paid for that's it and i think particularly when when you're talking about innovation that is something that that people are recognizing more and more you can't just do an innovative thing and be innovative you've actually got to be innovative, which requires that ongoing action and those ongoing systems and processes and ways of working. Otherwise, you're not innovative if you just did one innovative thing 10 years ago. You've got to continually repeat that and continually build on that. Yeah, it's a way of working, isn't it? It's a cultural thing. It's uh, you know, we talk about this a lot and you've probably heard it on this podcast before, but the most innovative and impactful organizations, they have innovation in their DNA. It's just the way that people do things around in that organization. Organizations that work in very traditional ways and solve particular problems, they don't get that huge impact because they're still doing things in ways that don't work as well. So it really is about building this stuff into the way that you work, making it easy for your people and a safe environment and all those sorts of things for your people to be able to be innovative so that you do have a bigger impact as an organization in the space that you work. So I think that's it, Trace. Always a pleasure. I uh, hope you guys found that useful. Uh, like we said at the start, we've been getting a few questions around this from prospective clients and we thought, hey, let's just do a uh, podcast on it to help people understand uh, how it kind of works and some different options that are out there. So pleasure as always. Thanks for joining us and we'll catch you all on the next episode. Thank you. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Innovate for Impact podcast. Any links to what we spoke about today will be posted in the show notes. If you'd like to know more about social innovation, visit our website where we have a heap of tools to help you on your way. Visit impactoconsulting.com.au. Thanks for listening. Now go out there and make an impact.